This week's podcast brought to you by Vicissitudes. You were working last night. I was watching uh, primetime television with our youngest daughter, and she grew exasperated, increasingly exasperated, whenever commercials came on. And uh, I was in the kitchen when she said, oh, my gosh, why does everyone in every commercial have moderate, moderate to, to severe, severe plaque psoriasis? Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're gonna we're gonna have to get in and out of this podcast like a cat burglar. Quickly, efficiently, you have places to go and people to see. I don't have places to go, but I have people to see, to see via Zoom for work, yes. Okay. Well, let's do this. Do you have places to go or person to see? <laughs> I have neither places to go nor people to see, but I have stuff to do. Oh, yay. Um, so what's really, what's really uh, burning your brisket today? You want to know what's burning my brisket? And it's actually not burning my brisket. Is that a real phrase? No, I was looking for alliteration and uh, something that Flo would have said on Alice in 1983. Okay. Well, I like it. I like it. And um, this would, if there's anything that burned my brisket this past week, or maybe just singed, singed my what? Singed your... Didn't quite burn my brisket, but it singed my... Singed your sinuses. (laughs) Well, no, that would be something completely different, but... You should see a doctor, really. Yeah. So yeah, I coach um, some youth basketball teams, and up this week we actually get to start scrimmaging and having full practices. Uh, for the past month, all we've been able to do is have four kids at a time in a gym working on skills. Anyway, last week, one of the boys who was coming to, to the skills session, and you and I are good friends with his parents, um, his mom was bringing him, and she her tire blew out on the way, flat tire. So she had to call her husband, um, who then came and got her and their son, dropped off the son at, at the skill session, and then they went back to the car where AAA was meeting them. So I was telling you the story about on the way to the skill session, tire blew out, and I said, I feel so bad for Nicole. And do you remember what your response was? I probably said I feel bad for Mike because that, he then had to yes, respond. Yes, that was your response. I said, I feel bad for Nicole. She was like in a car, you know, they were probably a half hour from their house, tire blows out. And your response, not yet. You know, I feel well, bad for her. I, your your immediate response was, I feel bad for Mike. The the That implied, it, it, it goes without saying, I feel I feel terrible for her. Does that go without saying? Secondarily, and, and to a much lesser extent, I feel badly for her husband. I, the way you said it, I got the impression that you only felt bad for him. Like, oh, that's kind of stinks that she had the blowout. But who I feel bad for is he had to then leave the house and go help her. Well, wait she, for was, AAA. she was presumably sitting in the car safely on the shoulder listening you to. It was a blowout. How did you know listening it was to Crosby, safely? Stills, and Nash? You think that's what was happening? Possibly. Uh, so, anyway, that was the only thing that. Burnt your brisket. May have burned my brisket last week. Well, let's let's make that a saying. We're going to be. Um, it should be a new segment of the show. What burned your brisket? We're going to be. Week? We're going to be in a in a Burt Reynolds movie in 1978, but one that's being shown on TV, so they can't swear. And <laughs> and that burned my brisket will be the thing that that we say. This past week, I had to go to Staples to get. Um, well, it doesn't matter what I had to get. I had to get something at Staples. And when I left... Were you, were you getting some kind of a personal item at Staples that you can't talk about? No, I was getting hanging file folders. And I just realized nobody cares if you're getting hanging file folders. I use colored hanging file folders. I get they're not the hanging ones. Three years into this podcast, you just realized nobody, nobody cares? cares? They're not even the hanging ones, though. They're just file folders. But this is this is like... This is the good stuff. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, I use file folders when I call basketball games. Each team gets gets has a file folder where I put their information in it and I build the information and write down all the stuff I want to use and I use 
the color for the team. So does that file folder permanent? If you did Oklahoma State eight years ago, do they have no? They're new every year, but I try to use the same one all season long because it's good to look back to previous notes. But I, I like to do them by color. So if I'm doing a Louisville game, it's red. If I'm doing a UConn game, it's blue. If I'm doing you know an Iowa game, it's yellow. It's it's. If you were doing. Louisville, South Carolina, would they both be red? How last you night, last night I did South Carolina, uh, Arkansas. They were both red. I've stepped on your, your punchline. No, what's that? What's what? What's my punchline? Oh, that last night, I mean, the payoff to your story was that last night you had two No, it wasn't the payoff teams. to the story at all. The, I wasn't even going to bring any of this up, but since you seemed so interested. So anyway... When you buy, I buy a box of multicolor folders, and there's 50 in the box, five different colors, 10 of each color. Well, I always run out of red first because there are so many red college basketball teams. So anyway, I was going to Staples because I needed more red file folders. Anyway, I wasn't planning on talking about any of that. This is what I was planning on what, talking What you about. should have said earlier, the story has no payoff, and I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> and I'm sorry for bringing it up. No, you're sorry that I brought I'm, it up. I'm sorry that I brought You're it sorry up. that you brought it up, yeah. So Go on. when I came out of Staples carrying my bag with the file folders, not the hanging ones, just the regular ones. They didn't have little hooks on them. This woman was sitting in her car, and she said, Hey, Rebecca. And I look over, and she said, I play in a 50 and older league. I got that left hook shot. You can't stop me. <laughs> And I just was like... This was coming out of Staples? Out of Staples, yeah. She was sitting in her car. She hadn't yet gotten out of the car to go into Staples. I'm guessing she wasn't getting colorful file folders, but maybe she was. Did you say I have a basket of basketballs in the trunk of my van? (laughs) No, but I was thinking, like, it's not that many years away where I could play in her 50 and older basketball league, but I just love the, I got that hook shot, you can't stop me. She was sitting in her car talking trash. So I love I went the 50 in, and over basketball league. What's that? I love the 50 and over basketball oh, of league. Co- of course, women's basketball league. I mean, come on. And so it was great, though, because I got in the car in the minivan, and I have to say I was like peeping her as she was getting out of her car gingerly. and um, That was her name? No, but just based on her gate between her car and the staples, I think I could take her. I don't know, but I think. <laughs> Do you think any she may be having this saying the same thing to a friend right now? Well, based she already said it to me. You getting out of your car, yeah. She already. Oh yeah, the, about my gate getting into my car. Yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, how cool is that? I mean, in. The suburbs of Connecticut, there's a 50 and older women's basketball league. That's the bigger point. That's pretty sweet. Do you think it referred to age or, or height in inches or <laughs> vertical leap? I'm certain it wasn't vertical leap, um, but it could have been height in inches, although I think it's the stronger likelihood You must that be it taller than this clown to play in this game? Yeah, or shorter than this clown, perhaps. <laughs> You and I were, were talking a little bit earlier, you know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Um, holiday weekend this past weekend, including yesterday was Martin Luther King Day. and um, Tomorrow's Inauguration Day. Tomorrow's Inauguration Day, as people listen to this tomorrow. As we um, fix this in the historical continuum. Right. For those who are listening to this two years from now, as, as you discovered, people, people do. Right. So we, I was at the grocery store this morning, and, um, well, to rewind a second... So, you know, it's holiday weekend. We've got work stuff going on. You and I were saying, you know, should we do a podcast this morning? Well, I'm at the grocery store this weekend. To which I said, it's Tuesday? That's true. (laughs) That is true. You said I didn't realize it was Tuesday. I'm at the grocery store. Not that this matters, but I like to paint the full picture in the frozen food aisle. Um, Not the one with the ice cream, but the one with like the... um, the French fries and stuff. And in the frozen food aisle at Stop and Shop, some viewers may recall, it, it used to say Sherbert, S-H-E-R-B-E-R-T. Sherbert. It did? Yeah. They what's changed the sign to Sherbet. What's wrong with Sherbert? That's just not how it's spelled. Oh. It's not even how it's pronounced. It might be how it's spelled around here. Sherbert is what... I remember as a kid, that's how it was spelled. No, no, it wasn't spelled that way. I'm saying maybe around here it was. Maybe, maybe on your mom's grocery list. No, no, no. Sherbert, is, as I've said before, is what Ernie says when Bert asks him if he wants some ice cream. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the story because we weren't even in the aisle where the sherbet would be. 
So I'm standing there. A gentleman comes over, dressed nicely, like, you know, khakis, button-down shirt, mask on. And he just said, uh, Rebecca, I don't normally do this. He said, but I wanted to tell you. And I was certain he was going to um, say something about... Squeezing the Charmin? <laughs> about UConn women's basketball this season or calling games or whatever. But he said, I wanted to tell you, I'm really enjoying your podcast. He said... Uh, what, was that what he's referring to? He doesn't normally enjoy it? Yeah, I don't know. When he but said, he said it's not, I don't normally do this, but I'm really enjoying your podcast. <laughs> Maybe. But he said, I don't remember if he said it was uh, somebody who worked there or a customer there had told him about it just a couple weeks ago, and he's been listening, and he's been enjoying the podcast. But, I mean, he's only a couple weeks in, so I don't think we wear on people after a couple of weeks. It might be longer than that, but, he, but at he, least as of right now, he's, he's enjoying it. And so when... When we said, should we do a podcast this weekend? Just because he told me he liked listening to it, we're doing the podcast today. He's uh, he's listening to a, a different life than we're living. He's well, listening depends. to 2018. Well, well, it depends on when he, maybe he's listening to the current ones and working Perhaps. his way back. I don't know how people do it when they when they find us midstream. I like to think. Well, if people are finding us <laughs> midstream, uh, they should okay. not be listening to us. Uh, <laughs> While in midstream. But what I was going to say was I like to think that they're listening to it uh, from the beginning. These are people at Stop and Shop, and that's why the sign no longer says Sherbert, and that's why the sign no longer says 12 items or less. You think so, listening to the podcast. I think they changed to the 12 podcast. items or fewer because they've heard. Right. Maybe. Maybe you've had that kind of an impact on the local shopping economy. And yet uh, the Stop and Shop robot takeover you carries know what? on i haven't seen marty in a couple weeks i wonder if the marty that's at our stop and shop is um elsewhere maybe maybe he's he's getting a tune-up i don't know but maybe i haven't seen him in a while detained by authorities i wonder marty the insurrectionist robot <laughs> you haven't asked what what has burnt my brisket oh i didn't well maybe you did and i i but um can i point out that i still haven't asked <laughs> Yes. I, I should, the question for me will be, what burnt your brisket this past week? And the question I will ask you will be, what didn't burn your brisket well, uh, this past I, week? I was admitted, admittedly, belatedly, uh, covering some outdoor furniture with, I guess you would call them outdoor furniture covers. Yes. And the outdoor furniture covers were either, uh, many of them were either had large holes eaten by mice um, or, or had just torn. So they wouldn't be protecting anything. And my thought was not, we should throw these away because I know how you love your, your, your furniture covers. My thought, honestly, was we should get some kind of a protective case for these covers. So you that they can't get, get covers for the covers. Well, then it occurred to me this, is, this, is, this way is madness. I thought, what can we put these in so that mice don't eat them when we're not using them? And then I realized that would be some sort of canvas covering. Hmm. And I abandoned that idea and realized that getting rid of the furniture covers and never buying another furniture cover ever again is probably what we should do. Uh, it, it, Especially for outdoor furniture, whose, whose very name, outdoor furniture, implies no protection is needed. Right. And the whole, the, the thing I hate most about getting rid of the outdoor furniture covers is that they're really big and like you just feel guilty about putting this large tarp into the landfill. And it's not well, even that well, they're so big, but like if you have a couple of them, it just amounts correct. to a lot. But now you're double down, double double downing, double Debbie down. downering, yes, doubling down on on a mistake. The mistake was made when the covers were purchased. No, this is what the mistake. I mean, was the made covers had I already been manufactured, so the they, eventually they're going to end up somewhere. The mistake was when I didn't have any kind of mice repellent or deterrent in the space where I was storing them. Because if the mice hadn't gotten to them, they would be fine. It's not like they got the holes and the tears when they were covering the furniture. They got it when they were in storage. So that actually was the error by me. No mice deterrent slash repellent. Well, but by their very nature, and then I'll get off the subject, they're, they're going to be outdoors, covering furniture that is outdoors where the mice live. So the mice can eat them while they're outdoors. They and in don't. fact, and in fact. When the mice are fact, outdoors, they've got plenty fact, of things to eat. And in fact, when I picked up a little outdoor furniture chair, and there were a lot of uh, leaves that collected under the chair, 
and I picked it up, a mouse ran out from under the chair, but didn't run away. It ran up and around the chair so that I was still holding the chair as it was running toward my arm. And I then oh, I wonder threw the thing like a grenade. It must have maybe had a nest in the leaves or something. That yeah. makes me now sad that you disrupted the mouse's nest. See, that's my problem. I want the, the mouse repellent det deterrent, but not like a trap. I don't want to kill the thing. I just want it to make its home somewhere else. Well, then you should have been watching last night's 1991 repeat of the tonight show johnny carson's tonight show 1991 they were making uh showing inventions that will happen in the future the future as late as like in 1998 and 1999 in the year 2006 which got a big laugh because of course that was the sci-fi future we'll never see they had a better mousetrap and that mousetrap was you know like the roach motel yeah they had their prop department had made the mouse dmv <laughs> and they had a little mouse DMV with doors, and it said, you know, it, and it said, this is a humane way of doing it. You don't have to see the mouse because you don't want to see the mouse. You don't have to dispose of it yourself. It said, as the mouse goes in, it's handed little license registration papers, and it goes in and never, never comes out. <laughs> well, if you had it in this future, it would also be handed a mask. And not to revisit my file folders. But I had a lot. Oh, please of, do. I don't. But I really, had a lot I don't think of, we really explored that space. I've had a lot of folders on my desk lately. We just finished three games in five days. That's a lot. It's a uh, six different teams to prepare for, and lots of Zoom calls. And um, I just want to say it was an absolute blast getting back into the swing of things, calling games with Ryan Rucco and Holly Rowe, and. Uh, and for some of our games, our Thursday games and our Monday games when we're in there, um, we're in there at the same time as studio. So Coach Landers is also in there. Sue Bird is in there. There's this great energy um, as we, we call these games. And uh, this coming Thursday, at least it's scheduled right now, we finally will get to do a UConn game. It's UConn at Tennessee, this, you know, rekindling this great rivalry that uh, I guess they rekindled it last year. But um we're having a blast, but three games in five days. I was just six folders chilling on my desk all weekend, and uh, and now I'm excited for Thursday's game. So that's my only plug. Thursday, I think it's 7 o'clock, UConn will be playing at Tennessee. Blue folder against, uh, do you have, you know, just a standard orange folder, I guess? No, they have, in the, f the five-color pack, there are orange. The orange don't go very quickly, but so I will have my blue folder and my orange folder ready to go. Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. This isn't his official viewer mail, but but Dr. Gary Siegel does send a link to an Atlanta Journal-Constitution story about Delta officially ending its emotional support pet mm -hmm. uh, yes. access. The system evidently had been gamed so that people were bringing their pets not having to pay the fee to, to bring their pets by declaring them emotional support pets. Mm -hmm. That's all. Oh. But, but Dr. Siegel appends a literal and figurative mess. We're reading Dr. Siegel's mail no, first? No, no, no. This wasn't, I said that Dr. Siegel still has his his email, but I just wanted, he just forwarded the link. That's all. Oh, okay. Okay. Whew. So no, no, he he's not batting out of order. We shouldn't be. No, no, no. Shouldn't the be. one thing we I need during COVID quarantine is the normalcy of Dr. Siegel batting cleanup. Yeah, we shouldn't have to forfeit this game. No. Okay. This is officially the first viewer mail of the week. Ready? Mm -hmm. This comes from Steve. Steve writes, Dear Steve and Rebecca, I've been meaning to, for, to write for several months, but it seems life has gotten in the way. Having just caught up, though, on all of the year-end podcasts and for fear of losing out on the chance to attend any resident events which may occur post-COVID-19 the pandemic, I figured it was time to get back in the swing of things. First off, thanks for keeping the podcast going as it provided moments of levity and a bit of an escape from the vicissitudes of life in an otherwise unsettled year. Vicissitudes. Vicissitudes. That's a fun word to say. That's a fun and, word to spell. And you would think it would be hard to say, but it's not. Vicissitudes. Vicissitudes. What's the definition? Changes in attitudes, changes in vicissitudes. What's the definition? You have access to Google just as I do. Let me okay, continue reading while you look it up. Vicissitudes. I have particularly enjoyed Steve's memories of various commercials, as I, too, tend to have too many of them tucked away in my head. I wonder, Steve, if you remember a local ad in the Twin Cities from the late 70s from Oscar Holman, owner of the Package Furniture and Warehouse Company. As with most locally produced ads, it was memorable for its poor production for a host totally unsuited for television. I do not remember Oscar Holman, owner of the Package Furniture and Warehouse Company, the furniture store that I remember airing to great uh, ridicule 
in my house from my dad was the Levitz furniture commercial. Because mm. we'd gotten one of his one of his Archie Bunker chairs. Too. Had, Levitz was national. And their slogan, you may recall, was, you'll love it at Levitz. You'll love you'll, it at Levitz. You'll love it at Levitz. Yeah. You remember that? I do. And, and my dad, whenever that would come on, he would say, it's lousy at Levitz. <laughs> it's lousy at Levitz. He'd Had he ever even been to Levitz? He'd been to Levitz. He'd gotten his Archie Bunker chair at Levitz. I don't know if it popped a spring or what, but he was not happy with the Levitz uh, easy chair. And that quickly... So, that was moves. it every single time the commercial came on, would he sing it well, the other way? He, he would sing it often enough that I remember it uh, 42 years later. Can I give you the definition of vicissitude? Oh, please. Vicissitude. The plural, of course, is vicissitudes. A change of circumstances or fortune, typically one that is unwelcome or unpleasant. 2020, right there. And then the, the quote they use is, her husband's sharp vicissitudes of fortune. Well, I, I, I yes, you're frowning. I just think it's a weird sentence to use as the... Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a downward turn in fortune, and the, the sentence they use in the dictionary is a husband's downward turn in fortune. That, 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 that makes total sense to me. Okay. I'm trying to think of a way I could use it in a basketball game. The husband's like vicissitudes it, as when his wife blows out a tire on the way to the gym. <laughs> How could I use it in a game like if a team was taking really good care of the basketball and then they started turning it over, if, they, if their opponent has gone on a run? Um, Such are the vicissitudes. Of a game of bas- a ga- basketball. Basketball. basketball is a game of vicissitudes. Yes. Would that absolutely. work? Absolutely. <laughs> That's where I'm going to go with it. She has a real tood. Vicissitude. <laughs> anyway, writes Steve, not this one, I thought I would start the new year with something my sister informed me of over the holidays. I've actually been on stage singing with Tom, Dick, and Harry. What? 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 Who? And why did your sister inform you of that over the holidays? Wouldn't you have known if you were singing with Tom, Dick, and Harry? Maybe Well, not. let me read on. I was mentioning your podcast and that you had the band do your music intros, and she said, you know, that's the band that played our block party. My sister lives in southwest Minneapolis, and each year her block throws an epic party the first weekend after Labor Day. In 2016, they booked the band to play, and play they did. There was a stage set up at the end of the block, and throughout the evening there may or may not have been slightly more than a few beverages consumed. As time went on, it became something of a hootenanny, during which my and others' rock star dreams, while not entirely fulfilled, were at least assuaged for a short while. We were looking up song lyrics on our phones, and in my mind I'm certain that I wasn't completely out of tune. Anyway, there were a delight, and much merriment was had by all. I, like many, eagerly await the return of live music, as do Tom, Dick, and Harry. I know that block party, and uh, and uh, I, I wish I had been there. Do you think when he... Um, was this is Steve, right? When Steve this got up... This is Steve, your faithful northern suburbs correspondent. When, when Steve got up and, to... And not just the northern suburbs of the Twin Cities. I think he's our, our, our correspondent for all northern suburbs anywhere. <laughs> do you think when Steve got up on the stage to sing with Tom, Dick, and Harry, anyone out in the audience said, ooh... That sure was a vicissitude. Vicissitudinally? Yes. Well, he, he also used a swage. He's, he's got a lot of uh, good stuff going on there. Scott writes, Has Steve read any of this author? Writes mainly novels that take place in Minnesota. I'm on my second by him. Ordinary Grace. Wow, double exclamation marks. Uh, the header of the email I now see is William Kent Kruger. Anyhow, thought he might enjoy them. Unfortunately, I haven't listened to the podcast in a while since I no longer have a commute. Hope all are well. Thanks, Scott. So, Scott, you're not hearing me, my response to this, but I will respond to everybody else. I have not read the novels of William Kent Kruger, but now you have me. You have piqued my interest. Has he piqued your interest enough that you will... uh, Seek out the novels of William Kent Kruger? Not not all of them, but maybe one of them? Sure. Why not? Um, um, Just because you bring up books... When when we're calling the games from studio, Holly Rowe is calling the games from her home on camera and where she has her like they call it's called a TVU kit where she has that set up behind her. She has a shelf and she has books on it. You can't see what they are, but they're all blue done intentionally just because it looks nice. And I said and I had said to Holly, if I send you one of Steve's books, will you put it on yourself? She said, of course. And I said, I think some of them are blue. Caddy was a reindeer is definitely if blue. If only you knew, yes. One of them is blue. I ju- I'm just, is that the only one that has yeah. the blue? So anyway, we, we, I, need to send Holly a book so that she can put it on her blue bookshelf. Oh, you think of everything. I do. I'm out, I'm, I'm out here for you. Appreciate that. Bob writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, how would you fill in the blanks, if at all, in the following sentence? The attorney 
blank general, blank car, blank were all parked next to each other. I can do this, Bob. The attorney's general, the attorney's generals, the attorney's general cars were all parked next to each other. The attorney's general. The cars belonging to the attorney's the general. The cars of the attorney's general. But no, no, he wants this construction. The attorney's, the attorney's general cars were all parked next to each other. That's how you do it. You would do attorneys, general, singular, cars, plural. Were all parked. So you just you would, put the, the possessive at the you, after you, the S on attorneys? You, you would sound like you had just had a stroke and nobody <laughs> would, would pay any attention to what you just said. They would just call an ambulance. But what you would say is the attorney's general cars were all parked next to each other. This would be more complicated if the attorney's general cars were all parked outside of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> then you would have to say the attorney's general cars at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse we're all parked next to each other. Hmm. I, I hope that solves. This Bob's. is what you and your friends do to entertain one another. <laughs> well, this grammatical conundrum says says Bob is quoted from author and Princeton writing teacher John McPhee's the great John McPhee's book draft number four. We are familiar with the grammatically correct yet awkward sounding phrase attorneys general, but how to solve the possessive plural? Should it be the attorney general's cars were all parked next to each other? McPhee's own elegant solution: the cars of the attorneys general. Well, I think I uh, that's cheating, but um, but Bob always signs his emails your simplest of palindromes bob in huntersville north carolina usually i say bob of north carolina but but huntersville huntersville yeah this email comes in in green green typeface green typeface and and and, in comic sans no less does that make it more difficult to read it it, It must well it it stands out not not in a good way but it does stand out (laughs) yes uh so rick in oceanside california Hello, Rick. Lovely Oceanside, California. Rick in Oceanside, California, also Yukon 75. Ah, hello, Rick. Hello, Rick. Rick writes, got to side with Steve on this one. Uh, this is PB&J. Goodbye, PB&J. Rick. This is, <laughs> <laughs> I should say the header on this is PB&J. I got to side with Steve on this one, or maybe it's just a guy-dad thing. It, we're, we're referring to spreading the peanut butter and jelly it's all totally along the forecoming press. It's totally a guy-dad thing because one of the, the men I coach with said the same thing to me. I have to side with Steve I've also gotten a couple of, thing. couple of texts. Uh, uh, our friend Dan in Milwaukee, same, same thing, texting thing. me. Oh. He said the, uh, the, 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 uh, the crusts act as a sort of speed bump telling you that you're, you're basically telling you there there's rumble strips to tell you you've gone out of the lane, you know. Just in case you're looking at something else. Well, while, I know Dan and he would continue I know Dan he would continue the spreading on your sandwich. He continues spreading the, the peanut butter all, all across the counter, up the walls like he's painting the place. Oh, so. And so this is the other thing that the, the gentleman I coach with said to me. He said, "And do you know to put peanut butter on both sides before you put the jelly in so that jelly doesn't leak out of the holes of the bread?" I said, "No, I put Peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other, and I buy the kind of bread that the jelly doesn't no, no, leak no. out what, of. What you do is you put the peanut butter on the one side, but then there's still peanut butter on the knife. Oh, yeah. So you put whatever's so, so then left you, so on then the you other side. So then you slap both sides on the other yes. side of the bread, of course. Almost like Bob Ross is, you know, when he flops, right. but you don't, you know, when he dobs the brush. But you don't put peanut butter on both sides so the jelly doesn't leak well, through. Let, but that's what, what he does. Let's anyway, see let's what Rick does. This is, this is in Oceanside. I sort of lost interest in, Ocean, in Rick when he said he no, sided no, no, with in you. in California. <laughs> but you, but you, he's still a UConn guy, so what do you got for us, Rick? Always spread the peanut butter and jelly. Actually, fresh blueberries or raspberries make it even better and healthier on the bread before trimming off the crust. Don't know why anyone trims the crusts off anyhow. They're really good. But the guy dad will always eat the crusts after trimming for kids and not waste them. So it's a better and tastier to have residue That's... of PB&J on those crusts. Okay. If you feed the crust to the dog, your canine will love the PB&J flavor too. Can't imagine the reasoning behind trimming first. Rebecca, perhaps you could elucidate. Plus, as Steve mentioned, I think the PB&J gets spread further before trimming. That is certainly true. Will well, Rebecca yes, participate if... in the hot sauce challenge following the victory over Marquette? How about Steve since he was on the losing end, Rebecca? Well, I'll start with... If the person making the sandwich for someone else is is going to consume the crust, then of course you put the peanut butter and jelly on first because no one wants just a plain crust, but they're tasty with a little peanut butter and jelly. So I'm with you there. If you're th- if you're gonna, just going to throw them away, don't waste the peanut butter and jelly. Cut them off first. Yes, I'm going to participate in the hot sauce challenge. That's a big thing in the Yukon community. It's the Husky Ticket Project where you donate money so that kids who otherwise would not be able to go to UConn sporting events can go. This is, of course, once again, people could go. And then I don't know how it got tied in with hot sauce, but you get challenged, you donate the money, and you take a spoonful of hot sauce. Now, Steve, you know I hate spicy food. I hate spicy food. I I don't put hot sauce on anything I eat. I hate spicy food. I like barbecue wings. 
don't like hot wings. Anyway, I've agreed to do this challenge. I will be doing this challenge in the very near future. I'll post what I do. But I do have a slight concern that I may vomit be after, medical emergency. after consuming the spoonful of hot sauce because my body dis- dislikes it that much. That's all. I'm just answering. I'm looking forward to I'm that I'm answering now. his question. I'm looking forward to that now. <laughs> Uh, you totally, you totally spaced. I no, was no, no, talking. No. I could see in no, your no, no, eyes. No. You were, you were, you were somewhere else. Where were you? I've been somewhere. I've, no, no, I've, you were somewhere else. I, I was, I was in Oceanside, California. On and the but beach. what were you thinking about? Were you parsing something that I was saying? Because you were, your, your brain was elsewhere. It was, it was like a Warner Brothers cartoon. If you just saw a cross section of my head, it was just be, been a bluebird flying around in there, <laughs> like a hamster on a wheel, and uh, consuming hot sauce. Consuming hot sauce. Okay. Yeah. No, but I, I was hanging on your every word. Um, uh, okay. I was. Okay. The beauty of this is if, if you say something and I'm not listening to it, I can always hear it again on the podcast. You, you, we're recording well, this. Which reminds me, I'm glad you were hanging on every word because last week I actually believed 15 seconds after I had said voila or voila that I hadn't said it. And so I listened back to that part of the podcast. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I did. And my brain immediately forgot that I had said such a ridiculous word. And I even argued with you saying... I didn't say voila. Well, the, the, I did say voila or voila, however it came out. So, so imagine you being win me. That one. Imagine being me, and ninety-nine point nine nine percent of our marriage isn't recorded. And I'll say you said this, and you'll say no, I didn't. I didn't. I did not say that. Well, and most have of no the recourse. time, that's true. I'm going to have to install a Nixonian recording system. That you realize the bigger thing is when I've said things, and I know I've said things, and you have absolutely no recollection of them because you simply weren't listening i was i was i was spacing you're spacing yes uh, chris in in cheshire writes um he's got a backlog of our podcasts so people don't have to be perhaps we're podcasting too much people have a backlog i think well i have a backlog on all the podcasts i listen right. to too we just people aren't commuting right. as much but but but, but, but we to help them uh, with their backlog um, we should do supply less supply should equal demand i think or or perhaps demand should exceed supply i don't know we don't want supply to exceed demand. We want people to have a front log. <laughs> or we? perhaps not. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Uh, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, okay. That's what our son does sometimes when he gets excited. Woo! woo! Yeah, okay. That was a woo! Well, I'm sorry, that Chris, that I have to associate you with this uh, this portion of the podcast, but it is your email. And uh, and so so there are there are um, some things he 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 wants he wants to enumerate his reaction. Okay. Okay. One, you mentioned that your eldest daughter's birthday is Christmas, and that it was once something she found special, but has somehow dwindled in awesomeness over the years. Our nine-year-old daughter's birthday is Christmas Eve. She still finds it special to have a Christmas birthday, and we still try to find ways to keep her birthday special and separate. For the past several years, we've gone to the movie theater early on her birthday to do something special. Likewise, unlike our other children, she can't choose a special meal because of Christmas Eve traditions, so we always let her make a special request on her half-birthday, June 24th, complete with a mini ice cream cake. How did the Russians keep her birthday separate and special because new ideas are always welcome? Rebecca. Well, um, we haven't done that great of a job. She does get to pick the Christmas morning uh, the breakfast, which she always picks the same thing every year, like this French toast casserole that my mom made that I now make. That's and, and, and that, that provides her zero pleasure or interest. Does I she even eat does, the breakfast? She she always requests it. She always wants to make sure that we've done it. I think it provides some sort of like ownership of yes, this is for me. Um, and when we get together with the family on Christmas Eve, not this year because of COVID, but in previous years when we get together on Christmas Eve, we wouldn't exchange Christmas presents then. We would only exchange or give her 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 birthday presents on Christmas Eve, uh, trying to make that night sort of special. I think the bigger thing is we we probably do need to do something for her half birthday because the bigger thing, and we all remember being kids, it was the looking forward to um, part that she has to bind it together with Christmas. If we gave her something to look forward to in June, um, that might be a good idea. Uh, uh, Chris notes that B, some movie theaters in Connecticut are in fact open. We are apprehensive about keeping up with the birthday tradition. Instead, AMC is renting out theaters at a reasonable price uh, for up to 20 socially distanced guests. This year, we surprised her with a private screening of Elf, our family favorite Christmas movie. The night before her birthday, the size of the theater also allowed her for four grandparents to see her and our entire family who have been in school as students and teachers safely and responsibly distanced. No food or drink is allowed, however, due to mask requirements. Third, 
writes Chris, and you'll note. That's a really cool idea. So not only you could rent the movie theater, but you could give them the movie that you wanted to play and then have people there socially distanced. That's really nice. So you'll note his his four-pronged email is one B third and and third is I'm curious when did having a Christmas birthday transition from being cool special to a bummer for your daughter I would say it's not a bummer but I would say this 14, year 14 15 yeah everything yeah. becomes a bit of a bummer at at, at 16 but her, her larger point is and she doesn't really bum out about it it's just that everybody looks forward to Christmas everybody looks forward to their birthday when your birthday and Christmas are the same day you don't have that other thing to look and forward to. And you know to. what? I think it was just a general thing for this year because in previous years, like our daughter, her she loves music and one of her favorite things to do and is go to concerts. And so generally- and That's what she asked for for Christmas. So every year, and usually before her birthday, we'd get her a con- a tickets to, um, to a concert that was going to be coming. And uh, I think probably that was weighing on her more than anything is- knowing that this year for her birthday, she wasn't going to get concert tickets because there were no concerts to attend. Four, and this is Roman numeral four, IV. So he's gone a one, B, third, and IV. Lastly, I teach high school juniors and the permit license test seems to still permeate the undercurrent even during a remote learning school year. As Rebecca described your daughter's test being at a DMV site that is for permit tests only, I couldn't believe the state of Connecticut had more than one of those permit only sites. There is one in my town and I pass by it daily on my return commute when I have one. When I drove by, I can tell from the body language of the teens exiting the building how it went, though I haven't seen any dads with the wrong paperwork posture yet. But when Rebecca said the test was actually at the DMV testing center in my town, I had to laugh. I know it's quite a drive here from your neck of the woods. If I had seen you, one thing is for sure, I most certainly would have recognized you and given you a, a minivan wave. There is always something in my van's cup holder. Lastly, I appreciated Steve's rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas on the previous episode. Oh, bless you, Chris. I took piano lessons in elementary school, but now can't read music or play. I've often contemplated taking lessons, but worried it was too late. Steve has inspired me to at least try tomorrow. Tomorrow, Rebecca, tomorrow I expect the signing ceremony when I take my piano lesson, the signing ceremony where I get the certificate signed for having completed Alfred's uh, level one adult course. There are some book Im- one. important signing cer- ceremonies happening tomorrow. Is there a signing ceremony as part of um, inauguration? Um, Steiner Sports will have Joe Biden signing baseballs in a warehouse <laughs> for like two it. hours after. Right, right, yes. I, I, With I a think certificate there's, there's a swearing of in. I don't know if you sign in. Is there? It's not like a guest book that you you sign in, but perhaps I don't know. Do you I have to know. sign papers? I guess you have to sign paperwork, right? I, I, I have no idea. Hello, writes. Uh, oh, writes Mike. We know Mike. Mike is a is a neighbor of ours. Hey, Mike. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Our 10-year-old daughters uh, play soccer together and now basketball under Coach Rebecca. I wanted to write to say that I enjoy you old ball and chain on my way to work, especially your wordplay and your very relatable stories. I wish to petition the powers that be to be knighted resident electrician. We don't have one. No, we don't. And God knows we need one. We do. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my own electrical work hasn't, hasn't worked out well for us. That's one thing, thankfully, you don't do. Or also, even try. Also writes Mike, who isn't is a licensed electrician. Uh, he's not just, he's just not wanting to do electrical He's not work just there. a weekend electrician. No. He's a full-time. If, if we had had Mike earlier as a resident electrician, he could have told me that I could plug in my tape recorder into the wall socket rather than using, what would you say, $400 worth of batteries over the life of this podcast? Way too many, yes. I mean, the Duracell is going to go out of business. Might. Um, Mike, but let's get the point. Mike, I wish to address the distinguished Dr. Siegel since I do not personally know any storks. I would like to ask him if there has been an uptick in births in the Atlanta area since COVID-19, the pandemic began. An excellent question. It is. My math shows that we have recently passed nine slash 10 months since lockdown began and thought that a baby boom could be the obvious result of people being stuck together during a major jigsaw puzzle shortage, such as the one we saw last spring. I think in the long view of history, that's what that's what this time will have been remembered as, as the great jigsaw puzzle shortage. I think you're right. You should consider giving Dr. Siegel a special guest star credit on the show since he's included in every episode. He could be like Joan Rivers on The Hollywood Squares or Florence Henderson on The Love Boat. Steve does resemble Captain Steubing a bit. Maybe even get him his own uh, batting cleanup theme music. That's all I have to say. Keep up the good work. Great, great suggestions, Mike. Uh, Dr. Siegel should, I mean, if he's batting cleanup, he should have his own walk-up music. Right? Yeah, very, he, he should. Very he true. He chooses his own walk-up music. He, so he needs to let us know what um, if there has been a baby boom, and he also needs to let us know so we can let Denny know what he wants his walk-up music to be. Absolutely. 
this comes from Denise, our resident birder in Connecticut. Hello, Denise. Dear Rebecca and Steve, as I'm sure you know, we're now in the winter birding protocol phase of the Connecticut Bird Atlas Project. Let me repeat that, Rebecca. We're in the winter birding protocol, capital W, capital B, capital P, the winter birding protocol phase of the, and again, all caps, Connecticut Bird Atlas Project, okay? Mm -hmm. Winter is usually the slowest season for birding, so any appearance of a rare or unusual bird is a big deal. This past week, an uncommon winter finch was spotted at the Nod Brook Wildlife Management Area in Weetog, just down the road from the McLean Game Refuge, sort of near you, I think. Very near us. Very near us. The bird was a hoary red pole, H-O-A-R-Y, R-E-D-P-O-L-L, a hoary red pole. What a great name, is it not? As soon as I heard about it, I thought Steve would love this collection of syllables. It's a little finch with a red cap, equals red pole, a tiny beak, and a pushed-in face. And it was uh, considered enough to arrive and associate with the somewhat more regular common red pole, making species comparison gratifyingly convenient and distinctive. During COVID-19, the pandemic, birders birders have to take their joys where they may find them. Rebecca, did we talk about on the podcast your Christmas present to no, me? No, we didn't. You got me, a, I think it was like a 1970, 1960-something copy, a hardback copy of Roger Tory Peterson's Field Guide to the North American Birds. We were on a walk one day, and you. this was back in October, maybe November, and you had mentioned this book that you had had as a kid, and... I stored that little nugget away in my brain and searched the internet and found a old blue cover, just like I had. Yeah, kid. I had the paperback as a kid. I mean, it, it, it's had these slick it's, pages with colorful illustrations. It's beaten of, down of the North pretty American good, birds. but that's how it you was used. It, to it was well used. Yeah. And do you remember when you were a kid? Anything like I had no interest in birds. I had no interest in birding. I had no interest in in most things. But when I got a something as a present, and that was a present, I believe from. Uh, relatives, when I got a present like that, suddenly that became a thing I was interested in because yes. it was yours. It was a book, you know? Somebody yep. gave me like a stamp collecting kit and so I got interested in that, you know? Because it was mine. Yeah. So anyway, it was a powerful uh, nostalgic hot tub time machine. Uh, Jim is short and to the point. He says, uh, hi Rebecca and Steve, I have to chime in on the PB&J debate. Obviously Steve's method is the way to go. I am there are getting two benefits. crushed here. I haven't had a single person on my side There are this. two benefits. One, if you cut the crusts off first, it can be tricky to get the PB&J all the way to the very edge, therefore no, possibly leaving can't. naked bread. Using Steve's method, that is much less likely to happen. I like that it's now referred to I as Steve's method. I don't, I don't leave my bread naked. Two, in this household, if I were cutting off crusts, I will eat them, not throw them out, just like our guy in Oceanside. Using Steve's method, I will get some PB&J in my mini snack. I recognize that if you are giving them to the dogs, this may not be a concern. Again, a second person giving them to the dogs. Dogs aren't supposed to eat peanut butter, are they? Steve, don't fall for Rebecca's trap and make a PB&J after cutting off the crusts. My opinion is that Rebecca needs to try the trim after method. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Jim, our Canadian resident, resident Canadian. Is there not a sing? You know, it's because these are all men. Is there not a woman who wrote in to say... Heck yeah, Rebecca does it right. She's, or or even a guy who says, oh, she's changed my life. Of course this is the right way to do it. There's not been a single one of those. Not been a single, not, not even a single guy or a married guy that's written <sighs> into it. But this Daddy. is highly, it, it makes me think less of our audience, I have to say. I mean, you know what? I'm going to count on Dr. Siegel. If he weighs in on this, I I'm, I'm think he's going to be on my side. I'm well, sorry. I'm done. Go ahead. Anyhow. Uh, Debbie writes, Pod love from a Tennessee fan. Dear Restiva, I'm a huge fan of the both of you and of the pod. Thank you, Debbie. I discovered it early on and became addicted right away in most recent times. It has accompanied me on neighborhood walks and helped me, like so many viewers, hang on to the fragile threads of normalcy and sanity during these unprecedented times, as they say. Some might call them the vicissitudes. Uh, 2020. As a Tennessee native, writes Debbie, a graduate of the University of Tennessee and the child of parents who spent her meager inheritance supporting the lady volunteers with really good seats and premium parking at Thompson Bowling Arena for the better part of 25 years, I wanted to take umbrage at Rebecca's remark a few weeks ago that it must have been a Tennessee fan who directed her the wrong way through the Christmas lights display. I had to stop and remind myself that it was a well-deserved characterization. It's a rivalry that is difficult to explain to the outside world. For instance, when my mother passed away, I was trying to access an old bank account and was working through answering her security questions to do so. The question was, what team do you love to see lose? It took me a few tries, but I was finally able to access the account with the answer, UConn. <laughs> one of their elderly next-door neighbors in East Tennessee had a fairly serious falling, uh, with one of the, falling out with one of the ladies from her church group. The reason? The woman had remarked in public that she thought that Gino or Emma 
was handsome. <laughs> Things were never the same again between them. Several years ago, several years ago, writes Debbie, while watching a woman's basketball broadcast, I can remember my father, in all seriousness, remarking that if Rebecca Lobo and Carol Lawson could work together on a regular basis, why couldn't there be world peace? <laughs> Amen. As we approach the big rivalry game, I will admit that, yay, it could have, yeah, it could have been, could have indeed have been a Tennessee fan that sent you down the wrong path. Thanks again for taking the time to do the podcast. It really is just the best. Debbie, P.S., and I am not making this up. P.S. Sandwich crusts should always be cut off before the PB&J. Yes. It is the rule! Exclamation mark. Yes, Debbie. So talk about you and Carol Lawson working together. I think if you and Debbie can agree on PB&J sandwiches, I mean, world peace is just around the bend. You know what's kind of funny is, um, yes, I mean, UConn-Tennessee was such a heated rivalry for such a long time. Um, but I only had one year of it. That was, my senior year was the first year that UConn ever played Tennessee. So regular season and then but you, before you, the national championship. You, you helped conceive the... Uh... Yeah, but yeah. And it, sure, it was this huge rivalry. But when I was broadcasting games, when Pat Summit was still alive and coaching the team, she was wonderful to me. Like she would... Um, if in in often the only game I would do would be UConn Tennessee rivalry game on CBS. This is before ESPN was willing to hire me again, and she would welcome me into her shoot around. I remember one time they came to Hartford to play, and um, we went to her hotel and went and sat in her hotel suite and talked to her. She was couldn't have been more gracious, couldn't have been more welcoming. Never saw me as a UConn person, just saw me as a broadcaster. Or, she or was, saw you as a person, because I remember at one point she held our, oh one yeah, of our what, infants. She, at another point, she sent a huge uh, a basket of flowers when your mother uh, died. Um, yes, she she was lovely and wonderful and never made me feel anything other than um, special in her presence. And the Tennessee fans, um, and I know how much, especially in the height of it, they you know they hated UConn and vice versa. Whenever I did games there, and if it was Tennessee not playing UConn, Tennessee playing somebody else, their fans were incredible to me. Never did anybody say anything nasty. Um, even now on social media where people can access you in your at replies or in your mentions or whatever, Tennessee fans are great. They are great with me. And um, and that's not necessarily the case of all fan bases, but they they have been classy and um, and great, just like Pat Summit was always classy and great. Uh, Steve, who sang with Tom Dick and Harry, has added to uh, uh, had another thought and sent a photo from Instagram. I think uh, this will be short and sweet, or in the case of a typical charcuterie board, possibly short and savory. Following your discussion about charcuterie last week, I figured the sign holding guy from Instagram was just the right person to weigh in on the subject. Uh, and here is a photograph of a guy holding a sign. I guess he is the sign holding guy on Instagram. I'm not familiar with his work. Mm -hmm. He's holding up a cardboard sign, a young man, and says, charcuterie boards are just expensive Lunchables. <laughs> pretty a, true. Pretty good point, don't you think? And our kids prefer the Lunchables over the charcuterie yes. boards. And finally, perhaps the last week without walk-up music, is we welcome Dr. Gary Siegel. Welcome, Dr. Siegel. Um, with his uh, cleanup hitting. Uh, the discussion regarding when to remove the crust from the children's sandwiches. Uh-oh. Or it's Dr. Siegel. I have not seen I this I have not advance. seen this either. Let's hear it, I Dr. Read these as they, as they as they open them. And which method to use before or after spreading the peanut butter and jelly brought to mind one of my late mentors during residency. He was a fine gentleman who served in the Air Force before becoming a world-class gynecologic cancer surgeon, and he taught dozens, if not hundreds, of gynecologic surgeons in their residencies, as well as others throughout the world as a visiting professor. He always taught us there are three ways to do things. There is the Air Force way, the right way, and my way. <laughs> They are all the same. <laughs> I like that. There are three ways to do things. The Air Force way, the right way, and my way. They are all the same. Perhaps other viewers will correspond or have already corresponded on how and when they amputate the crusts of sandwich bread. I'm, I'm starting to get nervous. So am I. Related tangentially to this topic and attached via the link below is a newspaper comic strip, Rhymes with Orange, from the past week that comments on the nuances of how children enjoy their meals prepared. And indeed, there is an attached... Comic strip, God forbid, says this kid uh, sitting at a table on a, on an iPhone. God forbid it should ever happen, but if my grilled cheese touches my apple slices, can I make you my emergency contact person? Okay, but he hasn't answered the question yet. Does he answer the question? Uh, I don't see him answering the question. Am I missing here? Let's see. Um, he segues into on another topic. 
Oof. On another I topic, feel the weight well, gone. On another topic, I'm so glad that correspondent T.R. the Critter Sitter took to Rebecca's defense regarding the Sunday newspaper at brunch. Steve, with my apology from one husband to another, I do stand with the ladies on this one, and I'm so glad that Rebecca gave you a mulligan early in your lives together. So he stands with you on the uh, It doesn't newspaper. surprise me. He's a gynecologist. He stands with the ladies. But, but on, on cutting off the crusts? We don't know. We don't know. Lastly, Steve, I enjoyed your Sports Illustrated story regarding Jeopardy and Ken Jennings. I profiled Ken Jennings uh, last week for Sports Illustrated. I very much enjoyed oh, reading that much. profile. Well, thank you for reading it at my suggestion. <laughs> and as always, expanded my vocabulary by having read one of your articles. I'll now know that when the checkered flag is waved at the end of Formula One race, whether in Europe, Asia, or Austin, Texas, that the flag is a tessellated pattern. Please stay safe and healthy and best wishes. Gary, thank you, Dr. Siegel, as always. Well, we need your... Uh, your I kind of like like that he, he didn't realize he'd, he'd you know, he's above walked the, the tightrope. He's above yes. the fray. Yes. This is what, we, as we head into Inauguration Day tomorrow, we're, 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 let's, 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 let's all... Be above the fray. Be above the fray. For producer Denny Gallagher, who's cursing us as we speak for having to uh, insert walk-up music. For, for Dr. Tom, Siegel. Dick, Hari, and, and Steve. Steve, please play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.